Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. Coming up, five arrested after violent clashes in Galway over the weekend. We explore if there's a rise in crime in regions outside of Dublin and if the government is doing enough to combat it. The Thornish, the Micheál Martin, attacks Sinn Féin at his party's thinking, accusing the opposition party of infecting young people over IRA violence. But it reminds us of the need for Sinn Féin not to triumphalise the horrible deeds that they did. And they still triumphalise it, and they still try and justify it. And the problem for that is really that you're infecting a new generation of young people. Is the end now? Is Stephen Kenny's tenure as Ireland manager coming to an end? We've all that and more on the way over the next hour. weekend of violent scenes in Galway as clashes between rival gangs resulted in four people being hospitalised and a further five arrested. The incidents in question consisted of a brawl on Williamsgate Street on Friday and a car being driven through a group of people at a Galway shopping centre on Sunday. Well, here to discuss whether there's been a spike in crime in the regions outside of Dublin is Fine Gael Senator Gareth O'Hearn, Sinn Féin TD Louise O'Reilly, Irish Times political correspondent Harry McGee and joining us tonight is Mayor of Galway Councillor Eddie Hoare uh, who joins us down the line. Thank you. We'll come to you first uh, Councillor Eddie Hoare. As Mayor of Galway how concerned are you about this spate of violence that the city has seen in recent days? Good evening Claire. Yes as Mayor of Galway City I outrightly condemn the actions the scenes that we've witnessed over the weekend Unfortunately, this appears to be a feud that has been simmering over the last 12 to 18 months and has effectively reached boiling point over the weekend. Um, As Mayor of Galway City, I'd like to call for calm. I'd like to ask all parties involved to step back and consider and think of the great city that we have here in Galway. Do you view it, Eddie, as as a a rare blow-up, if you like, or... Do you believe this lawlessness that we've seen is part of a a broader, more worrying trend for the city of Galway? I think it is a worrying trend that we've seen develop, not just in Galway, but around the country. Um, This obviously, like I touched on, is the culmination of a feud that has been escalating, but there have been other isolated incidents of public order offences in our city. And like I've said, it's a trend that is worrying And as mayor of Galway City, it's worrying to see the reputation of our city being ultimately tarnished, as we can see. And we've worked very hard to build that reputation and lots before me have. And I will make sure that we make every effort to ensure that that reputation as a friendly city, as a welcoming city is protected. Uh, The reputational damage you're talking about, is this in relation to social media posts and a lot of videos being circulated about those particular incidents, those attacks? 
Yes, most certainly. We've seen over the weekend, I've received footage from all over the world, from Australia, from the UK, from America. Here in the West, in Galway, we rely very heavily on our economy and tourists. Lots of tourists witnessed those horrible scenes on Friday. Um, lots of people from Galway witnessed them. As I said, we here in Galway have a purple flag status. We're deemed to be a safe city and want to protect that status. But yes, these incidents that we've witnessed over the weekend are doing nothing for our city. And I'm just, as mayor, firstly calling for CAM. I'm, I've arranged a meeting with the chief superintendent, Jerry Roach, tomorrow, and the chief executive of Goa City Council and the chair of the Joint Policing Committee to discuss the actions, to discuss what's happened and put an action plan in place to ensure this is curtailed and ensure that it's stopped. All right. And you, you say uh, there's a purple flag status in terms of, of safety. Um, do you feel do you feel it is a safe city? Is there a sense among people in Galway maybe that they're ignored when we put the spotlight on Dublin and the problems in the capital? Um, how do people in Galway City feel around around their city? Ha, has the atmosphere changed? Is there any sense of unease there? Unfortunately, the escalation of incidents that I've discussed and we've seen circulate online is making our city less safe. Um, we have looked for more Gardaí. I spoke with the Chief Superintendent today. He has a public order unit mobilised and ready to be deployed to curtail the incidents that we have seen. So that's a positive action that's been taken. The public order unit is trained to deal with large feuds. I had great sympathy for the Gardaí going into a brawl of 50, over 50 people and three Gardaí were on the scene. Very little they could do in their capacity and I had great sympathy. I do uh, take I'm, I'm happy to receive the correspondence from the Chief Super that there is a public order unit being deployed, but we need more. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the ask is from the Chief Superintendent tomorrow. I have briefed, the Minister has been briefed. I know Senator Sean Coyne spoke with the Minister earlier today. Um, and we will be meeting with Helen McEntee later this week and bringing to her the communications of tomorrow's meeting. Right. And it's pivotal that this is stopped and nipped in the bud before it escalates. We will see a loss of life in our city. Right. We've already witnessed the incidents yesterday and it just simply has to stop and action needs to happen okay. right from the very top. Okay, uh, Eddie, at this point, let's bring our panel in. Uh, Garrett Hearn, to come to you first. Um, that was a Fine Gael mayor speaking there. You're a Fine Gael senator. You're the party of law and order. What's your reaction when you see those scenes in Galway um, when this is happening in a city that people, many people would see to be safe to be tourist friendly and somewhere that is you know a safe and a comfortable place to visit and to live in yeah i suppose my, my initial reaction would be utter shock at those videos that people have seen throughout the weekend i'd agree with an awful lot of the comments that the mayor of uh, the mayor of galway has said councillor eddie hoare uh, i think he's been very strong in action uh, since those scenes uh, um, have been seen by people um, and I think it's extremely worrying for the reputation of Galway and, and uh, the Gardaí are trying to do all, all they can at the moment. Um, but it is very difficult when there's uh, what seems to be organised um, um, fights happening in the main street in Galway. 
um, and there's Tricardi trying to manage it. It's very difficult. Um, but there was arrests, which is positive. Um, court proceedings will take place and, and these people need to face uh, the rigours of the law. Do you, do you think the eye is off the ball? I mean, there's been so much focus on the, the problems around uh, crime in our capital, in Dublin city centre, uh, and people's feeling of unease in the city and safety. And now we're hearing from Councillor Eddie Hoare tonight, the Mayor of Galway City, that people don't feel safe and he's worried about loss of life. Yeah, and I, and I can understand that. Like, uh, Dublin always gets more attention because of the size of the city. Uh, it's more visible uh, if something happens in the city. It's normally of a larger extent. But, but all towns right across the country would see it. We've had, we've had incidences in Clamel, where I'm from, mm -hmm. uh, where there's been a, a, a high level of crime, uh, antisocial behaviour, uh, robberies, people living alone just outside town. What did you put it down to? Um, it, it's just an element of tuggery, really. Um, but it's but it's about the reaction from from the Gardaí in terms of in terms of fighting against that. They have the resources uh, from Helen McEntee. Like do, do you think they have the resources? I know they have. Well, Clamel's a very good example because there was. I mean, a, the argument is that nationally the resources simply aren't there to fight crime well, the minister, and make people feel safe. Anytime this happens, the minister for justice always says any resources that are required, we're there to we're there to give them. But there's a good example in Clamel. There was a, there was an incident where a farmer. Uh, his, his farm was being robbed and he happened to come back at the time it was being robbed. Uh, he almost lost his life. There was a meeting about a day later where five or six hundred people from a local community got mm. together. Uh, Minister Helen McEntee met a group from about a couple of weeks later. The Gardaí, along with the armed forces, raided a, a gang group in Clamel that were known that, for being involved in this. And action has been taken and right. people feel a bit safer. It hasn't fully uh, completed in terms of safety, but but they certainly feel a lot safer. Okay. Uh, do people feel safe? And again, look, I'm speaking to you, Louise, as a Dublin TD here, um, and you would speak a lot about your constituency and how people feel there and, mm -hmm. and crime rates and all safe. the rest of it. But, you know, I mean, like, even from a Sinn Féin point of view, is the eye off the ball? I mean, is there a lot of focus on the capital? And when we, we hear about what's happening in Galway and elsewhere, we're going to hear from other parts of the country as well. Mm. Um, the worry is that, you know, we're seeing crime rates maybe rise there, but not the same amount of attention given to them? Well, I think the uh, the reason why the eye, uh, the eye of the, the, the nation, as it were, was on the capital was because there were uh, quite a large number of high-profile incidents. I mean, it's not for nothing that the uh, the Minister for Justice offered what was essentially a stick and plaster, mm. but at the very least it did get some attention. We've had 12 years of Fine Gael in the Justice Ministry, and if you talk to uh, members of Garda Siakana, they will tell you that morale has never been lower, that they've never been more stretched. Um, the offer that was made by, uh, by the Minister of 10 million euros for additional overtime. And it was very clear that it was overtime, no additional personnel, it was just for overtime. That's for a workforce that are already doing a huge amount of overtime. It's incredibly important, not just that people are safe, but that they feel safe. And the best way to do that is to have a visible guard presence. And that's just not possible at the mm -hmm. moment. And if you talk to members of Angarda Siakana, and I do, they will tell you that uh, the issues that they are facing, low morale, but a lot of it is to do with the lack of staff and, and the fact that they're burnt out. They're already doing a huge amount mm -hmm. of overtime. They've, they're already pushed. You know, they're already not seeing their kids. They're already working yeah. nights. They're already pushed to the limit. So I suppose what is needed really is additional personnel. But in order to get that, it needs to be made an attractive job again. It simply isn't. I mean, I've had members of Angarda Siakana in my advice clinics who are struggling to pay their rent or who are under a notice to quit, nervous about being put into emergency accommodation. So they're caught up in, you know, not just in the fact that the government have uh, underfunded, right. but the the Angarda Siakana, okay. but also in the housing crisis created by, by government okay. policy. Uh, Harry, on this, how much is this likely to come up on doorsteps? How 
big a problem is this for government to address? We know there are promises in the budget again, and we're hearing that Helen McEntee will be looking for, you know, to announce the thousand extra Gardaí and, and, and all of that with pressure on it. But how big an issue will it be for government? Well, well they're having difficulty recruiting Gardaí at the requisite numbers. So that's, that's the, the first issue. I mean, there is a security issue and a policing issue. That's clear. Now, what happened in Galway, I think it's too early to say if that is redolent of a, a pattern or are we looking at an isolated incident. But a few things, I mean, the video photo, I grew up in Galway, so I knew all of those places, the Galway Shopping Centre, Williamsgate Street, Chopsey, where that's happened. When I grew up in Galway, it was a completely safe place. Mm -hmm. And to see that was just shocking to the core. And to see what happened in Galway Shopping Centre, where a guy drives through mm -hmm. a crowd, mills through a crowd in a car, and knocks a person 10, 15 feet in the air, that person could have died. So it was like so shocking and shocked people to the core. Um, and will those calls for a public order unit to come in, will yeah, they, they be welcomed three, in the city? I think Eddie Hoare was saying there were three guards to deal with 50 people. It's, 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 a, it's a family feud and a, a faction fight mm. between two families from the travelling community. I'm not trying to tar the travelling community because what's happening is not representative of the travelling community as, as a whole, but it's a problem. And it's a problem that's going to have to address. And it's not the only time it's happened this year. We had similar incidents in Ennis Tymon. Uh, we had incidents in Rathkeel earlier on this year. It is a problem within that community, albeit uh, involving a very small and unrepresentative element of that. But it, it's just completely unacceptable to see such egregious acts of violence in public uh, on, on the main street yeah. of an Irish city. Now, I, I think that policing should be the response initially to make sure that it doesn't happen. And those who perpetrated the violence are brought to justice. Whether a wider plan is, is needed, it's too early to say. I'm not sure if that's representative of something that's underlying or bubbling up and going that's going on or whether it's an isolated mm. incident. But that needs to be dealt with yeah. from a policing point of view. I think the Dublin situation is a bit more serious mm. and the North Inner City in particular, there are underlying problems there that are wider than, than, than policing that have to be dealt with over a long period of time. Uh, the government announced a 50-point action plan on Friday. I don't know if that's going to be effective or not, uh, but the, 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 the problems in Dublin Inner City are probably of a different order than what we're seeing uh, around the country. They're more baked in, as it were, and have been there for a much longer period of time. All right, well, well let's go... Sorry, if I could. The implications for the people who live and work in, in this state are all the same. And if people do not feel safe, that is very, very serious. So, you know, whether it is an isolated incident or it isn't, if you were a worker working in the shopping centre there, you're going to be afraid coming into work the next day. So same as like I met recently with workers who work in Dublin city centre and they tell me that they are fearful right. coming to and going from work. So that, you know, it's not just the people who are involved in this violence and it's not just the people it's in the It's the community wide It's the whole community. Impact on and that. that's why we need a community-based okay. response. Claire, just, just on recruitment, Brief because it's really important for people to know. The government put forward funding last year of €2 billion Euros into Gardaí Síochána. That was to recruit 1,000 Gardaí in 2023. Every 11 weeks, a new group of Gardaí go into Templemore and Tipperary. In February, there was 134. In May, there was 150-something. Yeah, but in we July, are there was hearing from the guards that they're not coming in at the rate that, that yeah, they yeah. need to, and no, they're no, having but, huge okay, problems but, but recruiting just, them. Just put into perspective, Fine Gael in the budget called for 1,000. Uh, Sinn Féin's alternative budget asked for only 800 Gardaí. And on top of the 1,000... I mean, does it also... matter if you're not reaching well, the not target well, anyway? Well, well, so who, who's been... ambitious to actually deliver more Gardaí on the street? And also on top so, of that, we're, we're, the, we're, we're, we're doing an additional 400 mm -hmm. Gardaí But staff. of the 1,000 that you have said that you... Would, is that in the last budget? That's in the last budget. In OK, so how many? 
I well, at the, at the moment, at the moment, we've 100. And, it, it goes through every 11 weeks. A new, a new group go through. At the moment, we've the highest group of 174, 175 in Templemore. Every at the 11 moment. weeks. Every okay. ele- every 11 weeks, uh, 174, 175. Right. That's okay, the so highest. That's every three months. Yeah, but that's the highest we've had since COVID. The last okay. three or four groups have increased so, so the every last, single time. So 11 time. weeks prior to that, what, what was 150? It was 154. Okay. So you're looking at about 300. Before that was 135. Um, there's another group coming in in a okay, month. But it's under five. What, what sounds like it's under 500. It's increasing. And we're coming up to yeah, another but it's budget. It's increasing every single time new recruits are coming in. Okay. All right. It's just about, I suppose, targets that are set and, and whether those targets are met um, is the question there. But let's just get the view from Limerick because earlier tonight I spoke with Limerick councillor Joe Pond and I wanted to ask him why he's actively campaigning for a Garda station in Castle Troy. Uh, thanks, Claire. Thanks for having me on tonight. Very happy to be here. Um, well, here in Castle Troy and Akati area, we have probably the biggest growing population of a suburb in anywhere in Limerick. We don't have we don't have any guard station. I'm at the moment out every night of the week with a petition trying to inaugurate have one here in Castle Troy. We we acknowledge the good work the guards are doing, fantastic, but we do need to see more guard presence on the ground be it cycle patrols, foot patrols, unmarked vehicles, squad cars, all in, all in this area here. Joe, um, Limerick had a reputation, of course, as being a black spot for homicide and gun crime more than a decade ago. The city managed to turn that around. In your view, what sort of criminal behaviour, what's the nature of the crime that you're now seeing in the city that you believe is on the rise? Well, we had a recent meeting with, uh, with I say, local councillors now. We had a recent, a recent meeting with uh, the high-ranking Gardaí in Limerick there where they told us exactly that what is said, what's there. They highlighted there's been 117% increase in behaviour warnings issued by Gardaí in response to antisocial behaviour. Vehicle theft has increased by 160%. This is, these are the Gardaí's own figures. So that's they'll just give you two instances of what's happening here. There's been a lot of focus on Dublin, of course, being the capital and in light of recent serious incidents in the city. How do other city officials feel about how, how they're prioritised? Well, I, I'll speak on my own behalf. Um, I've heard about the incidents in Dublin and, and say, Galway. And, um, th- there has been a, a huge increase in antisocial behaviour in Limerick. And I fear that without proper intervention, Limerick is probably headed in the same direction. Look, we all know the guard, we all know the resources the guard have is limited. So I just would like to see more resources brought to our city, like and spread it. Well, this area here in Limerick is like Castle Trianacotti is a massive area. We've we've had over ten thousand people and we have one guard station which is out the country and it closes at twelve o'clock in the day and then we're policed from Henry Street. So like this is one of the reasons I put I got this petition up and running, and I have had no one refuse to sign it. I've actually people running down the road after me to sign it if if I knock on the door and they're not there. We've we have fourteen hundred signatures, over fourteen online, and I have nearly seven hundred hard hard copy ones. So this is where we're coming from here. We do need a guard station in this area. All right, thank you for joining us, uh, Joe Pond, on the program tonight to bring us the view from Limerick. That's been for Councillor Joe Pond, uh, who joined me earlier on. Uh, Harry, just what can the government do in terms of a budget announcement that will look, I suppose, anything um, 
you know, more than piecemeal. That will actually look like we are doing something here. We're hearing, you know, they're from Castle Troy. We need a guard the station. They actually need boots on the ground and structures in place for people to feel safe. Is that the case? Yeah, well, I mean, Helen McEntee said on Friday that they needed more than boots on the ground. And the reality is that they do. So any area that has a problem, uh, like the problem that manifested itself in Galway or has happened in Limerick in the past, they need a comprehensive plan that takes in all of the factors, mm. policing, education, uh, uh, physical activity, diversion programmes, you know, socio-economic factors. All of those have to be taken. They take time, they take a lot of effort, they take personnel and they take money. But it's the only way that you can tackle it. You can do, as Louise said, a sticking plaster solution for a couple of weeks, uh, have high visibility policing, uh, but then after a few weeks that kind of disappears and peters away and the underlying problem is still there. I mean, to, it's not easy. You have mm. to tackle these in a comprehensive way. It takes a lot of work, lots of sweat, and it does take resources. A, a job of work to go, and we will be talking about this again. Uh, just want to move on to uh, another story now. And if you'd like to take a look at these comments Tonish the Micheál Martin made at the Fianna Fáil thinking in Tipperary today. But they've been very, very slow to bring closure to many victims of provisional IRA violence. Um, and as a recent documentary, documentary film, which I believe would show an RT on the, the murder of Thomas uh, Niedemar, and I think that is sobering watching for anybody, but it reminds us of the need for Sinn Féin not to triumphalise the horrible deeds that they did. And they still triumphalise it, and they still try and justify it. And the problem for that is really that you're infecting a new generation of young people. Uh, Louise O'Reilly, I just want to get your reaction to that. The Thornish, the strong language there, infecting a new generation of young people because of your justification of IRA violence in his view. What's your reaction to it? Well, you know, I, I suppose the we've said this a number of times, you know, it, it, it's we live rent free in Micheál Martin's head. It's his party's thinking. Um, I would have thought that he would focus perhaps on their poor performance in the polls. I would hope that he might focus on something like housing, which if you talk to young people, and I do, uh, they will tell you that they are fearful of being left abandoned mm -hmm. in the back bedroom in their parents' house, that they may never uh, okay. be are able to Are you offended by those comments you heard? I, I very rarely get offended by anything Micheál Martin says. And what about your supporters? Uh, what about your support base? Would you imagine they are talking I don't about think uh, their that, minds uh, being infected? No, I don't think people pay too much attention to uh, to what Micheál Martin says when he's on one of those rants because they see it for what it is. You know, he doesn't want to talk about housing. He doesn't want to talk about health. He doesn't want to talk about the cost of living. He wants to talk right. only about uh, the largest party in the state and the party that leads the opposition. There is a reason for that. It's politically motivated but I really do wish that he could summon up even a percentage a small percentage of the passion that he appears to have um, you know when he discusses okay. my party if he could just summon a little bit of focus from perhaps the housing crisis the cost of living crisis or um, indeed All the right. health crisis. Uh, Gareth would you share Micheál Martin's views there? Well, look, from my experience, I think people are well able to make up their own mind on who they vote for and why they vote for him. And I think it's up to us as a government and us individually as parties for us in Fine Gael uh, to put forward reasons why we believe we should be re-elected and put back into government. 
Um, so, you know, I think I think I wouldn't question how people vote or why they vote or reasons they vote for someone or some party. I think it's really. Do you think it was an, uh, Do you think it was an ill choice of words, or, or do, do, do you do you take any? Do you think there's any uh, any weight in it at all? Not really. I, like, I know the point he's making, mm. uh, and it's a very valid point uh, that he's trying to get across. Um, but really, I think for an awful lot of people, people don't make up their minds who they vote for until the election actually happens. And I think when that point comes. I think the vast majority of people in the country will sit down, think right. what's best for them, for their family, okay. and they'll make the decision. We'll have, we'll have to leave that there. We are out of time. My thanks to Galway Mayor Eddie Hoare. Coming up next, we explore the pros and cons of reducing the USE charge. Do stay with us. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered. Welcome back. Now, speculation continues to mount that a reduction in the universal social charge may be on the cards come budget day. Thornish the Micheál Martin has confirmed that a possible cut to the controversial austerity tax is under consideration. Nevertheless, economists have urged caution, warning of the adverse impact that such a move would have on inflation. Garrett O'Hearn 
Louise O'Reilly and Harry McGee have stayed on with me and joining them is lecturer in economics at TU Dublin, Dr. Emma Howard. You're very welcome along to the programme, Dr. Howard. But Harry, I want to come to you first on this just to, you know, give, give us really the state of play with USC um, potted history, if you like. Well, everyone knows it came in, what, 2011? Yeah. Seen as that it's good big. That you came to the authority on USC first, <laughs> Claire. Yes, a, it did come. A, a, austerity charge. But no, the political fallout, I suppose, from, for, from all of this, yeah, because well, over the years, it just hasn't gone away as a controversial tax that people feel really aggrieved by. Yeah, there were a number of levies that were in place, and uh, some of them had been in place for quite a long time. Uh, health and bank levy, for example, that were charged at a standard rate. And they were replaced um, in the time of great unpleasantness when the Troika came in after the financial crash. And I think the, the thinking that the Troika had was that by, by introducing a universal social charge, uh, that the, the tax base would be broadened so that everybody who was earning would be paying some tax. And their, 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 their concern was that the tax base in Ireland was very narrow and that if, uh, if there was a shock for example, uh, that it would uh, that the the tax base would not be sufficiently wide to to withstand such a, a shock, and we were very dependent, of course, on income from the from the housing boom uh, in the noughties. And when that collapsed, our tax base just it imploded. And so it was also partly that. to pay the costs of the crash. It, it not was. just uh, as a not just as a kind of so, a measure so, to protect yeah, so it was against future damage. So the more you earn, the more you pay mm. in terms of USC. So it starts off uh, nothing under twelve thousand euro, and then it goes up by increments for those earning over seventy, okay. I think, and then over a hundred thousand. But it's a big earner for the government at this stage, and it earns like something like five billion euro per mm. annum. So if there's going to be a change in it, it's not going to be abolished because that would be crazy. So what's going to happen is that they're probably going to gouge at the margins and reduce some elements of it uh, by a certain percentage. But it's, it's been very unpopular uh, with yeah. the public ever since the introduction. So if somebody's working overtime, for example, in a factory, you know, they, the first thing that they see is that the amount that they've earned, there's been a big chunk of that taken by USC. Yeah. And it comes up con consistently on the doors as well. So politically popular to see a cut uh, to the universal social charge. Emma Howard, from your point of view, what's your economic assessment of doing that, imposing these cuts that would be politically very popular if they were announced in the budget? Yeah, so I think you would find it really hard to find an economist in Ireland who would say that cutting tax in this budget was a good idea, um, whether that's USC or um, changing the income tax bans or, or cutting income tax rates. So we are um, still experiencing very high inflation and that has been persistent. So we're 23 months now with inflation above 5%, mm. with 6.3% in August. Uh, so any cuts in tax rates are going to fuel that inflation further. And if you look at something like um, the universal social charge, so that I think what was um, floated today was this idea of cutting the 4.5% rate by half a percent. So that would be targeting uh, individuals between 23,000 and 70,000 is the, the band that you pay that in. Um, if you look at, say, an average uh, earner on about 40,000, the actual um, increase in their take-home pay as a result would be €85 Euro a year. OK, so, so all this talk about the squeezed middle... The squeezed you know, middle... ...being in, really impacted yeah. by the USC, you're saying it's, it's not, not the case. It's not a huge... So that, that cut of a half a percent would give uh, an individual on 40000 a year an extra €1.65 a week. Not going to make a big impact on their cost of living. 
However, if you look at someone who's on 70,000, it would give them 235 extra a year. It's giving them much more. So it would be a regressive measure. And that's one of the great things about the USC and about our income tax system in general. It is very progressive. So we have one of the highest um, inequality in our wage, uh, our, our wage um, distribution in Ireland. But what happens is our income tax system does a really good job of redistributing that. So our disposable and within take home that, pay, the USC yeah. charge serves a purpose as well. You're saying, Emma. and it does. It does a big part of that because we only have those two income tax bands. We've got twenty percent, forty percent, but the USC we have half a percent on those under twelve thousand. Then it's two percent, four point five, and eight percent if you're on over seventy. Okay. So it's very Sliding progressive. Sliding scale. Sliding scale. Yeah. So um, what Emma seems to be saying here, Garrett, is really who's going to benefit from this measure and it is now being floated about. I mean, the, the kite has, has been well flown. Is that it's going to benefit the high earners, those earning over 70,000 euro? Well, no, that's that, that's not entirely true. And, and well, we just e- heard there now well, I, 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 that, I'll, it, that, I'll give that you, it's to the tune of like 85 euro for someone earning 40,000 euro. I'll, I'll talk about 40,000 euros because that's, that's a really good example of an average person who's working in the country at the moment on 40,000 euros. Fine Gael for years have been the only party supporting tax cuts until recently. Almost every party now except for Sinn Féin supports tax cuts. But someone who's on 40,000 euros in 2014 compared to today is paying 3,000 less in tax intake. So they're getting 3,000 more into their pockets to spend okay. as they'd like rather than they would have in 2014. That's because of measures brought forward by Fine Gael and government. So would a further 85 euro make, make a difference here or is this all just oh, to, to, there, look, but, but, to look good and to say you're doing something for the, the so-called there, the squeezed there, middle, there, if no, you like? There's, there's no way, in my view, that we will only do 85, 85 euros for someone in terms of cuts to support them during the winter period and during, during the next year. I got, okay, uh, but on the USE, just because well, well, we are sticking on, on that. On the USE, well, we've, we've made commitments over, like, if we do something this year, that's on the back of previous years through Pascal Donoghue of making changes in USE. We did it in 2016, where we brought the entry uh, threshold mm. up to 13,000. That brought in 44, about 44,000 people who didn't have to pay it anymore. Subsequently, years in 17, 18 and 19, we made changes in, US, in, in the USE. But on top of changes in the USE in the budget, I think it's important that we see changes in the threshold okay. from moving from the lower right. rate of tax. Interesting, to the though, rate that of it'll tax. probably be a Fianna Fáil finance minister who'll be, you know, announcing that come budget day, which they'll probably uh, be it, best pleased about. Uh, Louise, to bring you in on this, where does Sinn Féin stand on uh, on the USE? Okay, so in our alternative budget, and I do want to say I'm old enough to remember when we had to wait until budget day to hear about the budget. But anyway, no, but let's just there's a lot of kites being flown at the moment. Yes, yeah. well, no, 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 and, and I want to be clear. So on in in our alternative budget last year, we made a number of proposals. One was to reduce the the starting rate from, from 0.5 percent to zero. The second one was to uh, to reduce the two percent to 0.5 percent to raise the threshold at which you enter. That would have cost 629 million euros, and it would have put back into people pockets approximately 300 euros per annum so we need to look at what uh, at the struggles that people are facing so I'm really mindful of a study done by the Unite Trade Union fairly recently where they actually looked at the spending power for people on low to middle incomes and it's reduced by an average of about 72 euros per week because of the increases in the cost of living so whatever it is the government is going to do in terms of a tax package and you know they are saying now that they're going to do something with the USC that was a Sinn Féin proposal in the last budget for our alternative budget you're welcome what we want to see is the government introduce a fair taxation package. We haven't seen that yet. So, as I said, 
our proposal would benefit people to the tune of about 300 euros per annum. But if we look at the proposal that was made by the, the junior ministers, another kite, as okay. I, uh, another kite being flown, that would exclude 80% of earners from any benefits from their, their tax cuts. So we need to focus on the money that's in people's pockets. Right. We also need but to be mindful of the it, fact that, Claire, means, that people in means, this state Louise, are paying the highest will, rents of anywhere Louise. in Europe and they are paying the highest okay. energy costs. All right. So, if, you know, if we it need means, to look at that as you well. You probably favour then that if it means it's taking some people out of the USE uh, net, it would reduce what low-income workers are paying. That is something you would welcome. We would welcome anything that takes the burden right. off low to middle income earners. But what we don't do is trust this government to deliver because they will deliver for high earners. We have seen that time and time again. But we need to be mindful of the fact that people in this state pay the highest rents in Claire, Europe, Claire, pay yes, the highest energy heard. costs in okay. Europe. Louise talks about Claire. that we're not doing enough for people at home. She gives a proposal that Sinn Féin has to give 300, people, uh, 300 euros to people. A person on 40,000 euros last year, in last year's budget, would have got eight, over 800 euros back into their, into their pocket. Like that's a significant uh, right. more than Sinn Féin were proposing. Okay. Okay, we're talking about one measure, Gareth, and yeah. you're talking about all of your it's measures bundled into, into one. Pockets. Yes, I know, but we were talking but about you, one you say we're not doing enough. Measure. You promised 300. Okay, and we in 2016... Look, it's interesting as well when this discussion Sorry, if I could, for just one minute. In 2016, you promised to abolish the USA altogether. What happened to that? We've lowered just, it. It's just we've another, lowered it no, no, but 16, you did promise to abolish it. So that's another broken year. promise. Okay, so we've we know it every who, single year. We know who so, is impacted by your budget. So are you time suggesting we should abolish it overnight? Again, what I'm Five saying billion. is we should have costed it before you put it on the posters. So should we abolish we it overnight? We should have costed it before you put we've it on the posters. We've done it every single year, 16, 17, 18, 19. You should have costed it before you put it on the posters. You were never serious about it. It was just a gimmick, just the same as all the kites. Sorry, Louise. I have a question for Gareth on that because Harry mentioned it before, 5 billion euro in revenue. It's an awful lot of money. Emma's saying, as an economist, no economist is going to say, you know, tweak that. It, it's a big revenue generator and it serves its purpose in a progressive tax system. But you did promise to get rid of it. Yeah, but, and we've done an awful lot yeah, in but terms you, of reducing it. But it's not it. scrapped. But it's been scrapped for an awful lot of people. You know, you don't come into it until you reach yeah. uh, 13,000. But you 13, haven't scrapped 000. it in its entirety. No, we haven't scrapped it in its entirety. Because, but because, the of lowest, the, because of the revenue. But, but the lowest income earners don't have to pay it anymore. And then even okay. when you come into it, it's at 2% over 13,000. You'll just nibble away at a little bit more now. Four and a half. What, yeah, about, the top, what about the people on that 70,000 plus bracket? I suppose you can't say, look, you're not going to... You're not going to preempt what's in the budget. But, I mean, Harry, what's the sense of it? 8%, 8%, yeah. 8 over 70,000. Well, I mean, he's got 1.1 billion net in tax measures. So there's going to be a USC measure. This is Michael McGrath, the Minister of Finance, and something else. He, he hasn't revealed all of his hands hand as yet. Uh, the best headline I've seen this year was from Cliff Taylor in the Irish Times on Saturday. He said, did anyone hear the branch falling off the magic money tree? And he referred to the 1 billion euro in uh, losses in corporation tax in August compared to the year before. And he was talking about the volatility of that. Mm -hmm. And also... The, war, the, the dangers of the government spend, you know, spending a lot of money on one-off measures as they did last year, €4 billion. Euro. And he was basically saying that they, the choice that's facing the government is do they follow the money and kind of spend big uh, and uh, cause perhaps inflationary pressures or do they take a more prudent approach and try to you know, put in some kind of a sovereign mm. wealth fund or a rainy day fund uh, to make sure that we can ride out uh, whatever uh, storm we might face in the and future. And on this one, are there alternatives, I suppose, also to the USE that the, the, the government could potentially look at? Because, look, it, it, you know, it's controversial. It doesn't have a good rep. It never did. No one likes it. You know, it's politically um, 
unpalatable for a lot of people, even though they have to they have to pay it. Yeah, I mean, the the government just recently commissioned a report. So the Commission on Tax Taxation and Welfare looked at this, um, and their recommendations were that we had to broaden the tax base uh, so that we're over reliant on income tax um, and and USE in general. Although. They did not recommend any changes to those apart from um, abolishing certain preferential treatments in terms of, of age and, and essentially treating all earned income as, as equal. Um, so really the, the scope for reducing um, taxes at all in this budget is not there. And the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council were really clear on this as well, that um, there, there aren't any um, rationale for one-off spending in this budget uh, and and nor is there any scope for for tax uh for tax cuts all right okay well look we'll just have to see uh what happens there because there's a lot of kites being flown so we're likely to see some changes at uh, the usc by how much is is another matter uh, there we will leave that uh, thank you for joining us on the program uh, dr emma howard and thank you to, to uh, louise and to harry uh, for joining me coming up after the break we're asking is Ireland in the market for a new football manager? And who should it be? Welcome back. The numbers confirmed dead in the weekend's devastating earthquake in Morocco are heading towards 3,000. Well, earlier I spoke to news correspondent Alex Cadier in Marrakesh and I started by asking him how rescue efforts to locate survivors are going. Yeah, the latest death toll is over 2,800, according to Morocco's uh, Interior Ministry. And you're absolutely right to describe it as a race against time. Let me give you a sense of how tricky this rescue is for those uh, search and rescue teams. They are trying to get up mountain passes that have single roads up to remote villages, and those roads are still blocked by rubble. Now, they are working through the night to clear them, but once they do get to these villages, they're going to have to try to clear uh, the collapsed buildings and find survivors as quickly as possible. We know from the Red Cross that the first 48 hours are crucial. We are very much getting close to that time limit, and that will be the challenge. Now, even when they do get to those remote villages, there are more further up the mountain that don't have roads. They are only accessible through mountain uh, paths that have to be walked or done on horseback, and that will be the next challenge for rescue teams trying to get to these remote areas. Let me give you a sense of the buildings themselves. A lot of these houses are made of mud bricks and that makes it a lot more complicated for rescuers to sort the rubble. The other type of building is made out of cement and that is a lot heavier and requires a lot of heavy machinery. So that is the challenge for search and rescue teams working through the night and racing against the clock. Alex, tell us about the international aid response there. There have been offers of help and limited numbers of foreign teams arriving to help Moroccan authorities. Yeah, you've got teams from four or five different countries. We saw just here at the Mohammed VI Hospital in Marrakesh, the Qatari search and rescue team, before heading up to the mountains, came here to donate blood. Like so many thousands of people queued all day long to donate blood, donate supplies and water. We know as well that Spain, the Spanish military, has been asked to coordinate that international response by the Moroccan government. The United Arab Emirates also sending teams, and uh, including search dogs. That is what we've seen. Israeli teams also on the ground in the mountains 
mountains, clearing uh, as much rubble as possible, helping as many people, saving as many lives as possible. Now, there has been some criticism of the Moroccan government for being too slow to allow international help to come in. Well, they've said, look, we wanted to do this properly and avoid any miscoordinating uh, efforts or any confusion in that international effort. But certainly, international aid trickling through, coming in slowly and desperately needed in those remote parts of Morocco. Okay, Alex Cadier, thank you for joining us from Marrakesh tonight on the very latest on the rescue efforts there. Now, Ireland's two undefeat to the Netherlands in Dublin last night has dashed hopes for automatic qualification for Euro 2024. And with manager Stephen Kenny's contract nearing an end, will the Dubliner be vacating his position as Irish gaffer? Well, Gareth O'Hearn has stayed on with me. He was at the match last night. That's why he's here. And joining him is journalist with her sport, Alana Canan. Alana, thank you for being with us on the programme. I mean, look, people have talked about Stephen Kenny's uh, tenure, tenure for a while, whether or not he would survive this. We've had another poor result. And now it does appear, doesn't it, that the writing is on the wall? Yeah, I think it's a matter of when and not if, maybe now. And you could see that even in his post-match interviews. He was quite resigned himself. As you say, poor run of results, um, good run of performances. And I think that's what will ultimately define Stephen Kenny's reign um, in that regard. I think it'll be... Whoever comes in the door next will be a benefactor of many players that he's bled through the team. And um, with that, like we have so much promising young talent. It's just we aren't getting the results. And we have, um, I mean, we have heard from the likes of Martin O'Neill, Brian Kerr. Martin O'Neill being particularly, you know, saying, you know, the media kind of put their man in, in, in a position and they're now slow to let him go here. And that, you know, arguing that it, it's results at the end of the day and that he's been here for too long. Yeah, and I think people would often level the League of Ireland kind of argument, Adam, that maybe that's why he's getting an easy ride of things. But while there is that, and that is true, and that definitely has played into... Um, kind of the way he's perceived in the in the media and through Irish fans as well. Um, it's definitely to do with he's just so passionate about Irish football, and we haven't had that always in the past with Irish managers. Uh, ironically, really, like because while under Irish managers in the past, maybe we were getting to major tournaments, we weren't playing a brand of football that was seen as attractive. So I suppose it's about weighing up the two, and at the end of the day, it's the results that matter, and um, that's what will ultimately. See Stephen Kenny, we think, leave the road soon. Uh, Garrett, like you were at the match last night, but also we've talked about other matches that it's been nearly there, but not quite, and just the small things and the individual players' um, errors maybe that have led to this, that they've said, look, it's down to individual players who, who, back, who back Stephen Kenny. But is it a bigger mindset um, issue there when you don't you're not getting the results yeah and, like uh, your leader there, isn't helping to deliver them yeah I was I was here with my father last night and the atmosphere was amazing and especially when we went one nil up so early um you know you find with Ireland fans they're eternal optimists for, for soccer but sometimes or almost always you end up being disappointed after 90 minutes but you know we've been so close in a lot of games like if you look at the France game it was only Nathan Collins header an unbelievable save by the French keeper and we would have had a 1-1 draw at home against France we had a good win against Gibraltar and then we played well for all the first half and um uh had really good chances and it's the fine margins mm. um, you'd feel for 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 Stephen Kenny uh, he, he seems a really good guy uh, the players really seem to back him um, but they just can't buy a win. And as supporters, you'd be talking after the game and you, you want them to do well, you want the players to do well. They try really hard and there's good players mm. there, good young players, but there's just no luck. Yeah, people really 
wishing him well and, you know, throughout his reign as manager. I guess the question is now, Alana, if it's not him, who is it? Yeah, plenty of names being thrown around anyways, as is always the case. Um, the big ones, I suppose, being Roy Keane, Keith Andrews, obviously both of them had been assistant managers for Ireland in the past. Then you have the likes of Damien Duff, who's currently at Chels, Lee Carlsley. You know, there are plenty of big names being thrown around there. Um, we'll have to wait and see, though, because I think it was very telling, even in the coverage last night, while everyone is saying, oh, maybe it's time for another move or another kind of person in for the job. No one can quite pinpoint where Stephen Kenny was going wrong. You know, there's no selection issue you can point to or even uh, in comparison to the Vera Powell kind of thing. But there was there was criticism, I suppose, in the match last night that, you know, that the, the, the Dutch changed their their, 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 yeah. their play and that we didn't kind of respond to that as well. There has yeah. been criticism of some of the strategy, hasn't there? Yeah, and yet again, we had debuts last night and this was kind of last chance to throwing on these players. But uh, again, it comes down to the fine margins. If we had... Brighton's high-flying Evan Ferguson, who knows, on a different day, it could have gone a different way. But I think that's just been every game under Stephen Kenny. You know, four out of the last five we've lost, one we've won, and yet three games to go and we're not even in the competition of things. So, yeah, it is going to have to change, I think. Yeah, what would you think of Roy Keane in charge, Garrett? Well, I'm a Man United fan and I, I grew up loving Roy Keane, so I, 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 I support that. But... I, you know, it's, it's about finding the right option. I remember a couple of years ago, before Stephen Kenny came, there was an option at one point to have Eddie Howie, mm. uh, who was vacant after he left the Bournemouth job. He's now with Newcastle and in the Champions League mm. and doing phenomenally well. Um, we won't get him now, obviously. But but there's names there, Lee yeah. Carsley. Um, although I think he, he just got um, signed a new contract with England under 21. Uh, are, are there names out there because potentially they're interested in it? I mean, realistically, who wants the job, Alana? Yeah, that's it as well. And... You know, commercially, if you're the FAI looking at the last number of games, I imagine you just let Stephen Kenny run out those unless one of your potential candidates is in the running for another job. So they have to kind of weigh that up now mm. and see which of those would be likely to be in that position. Also, uh, Stephen Kenny has indicated that he expects to be in control for the October doubleheader um, with Greece and Gibraltar and then November to Amsterdam. Will, will he be there then? I think he has to be, because if you're the FAI, um, you know, his contract isn't up until the end of the campaign. So you'd be looking at um, some sort of a deal there. But no I think, changes. yeah, exactly. We're going to see the same run and maybe that uh, New okay. Zealand fr friendly in November is the kickstart to the new campaign. All right. Uh, we'll have to see. Many thanks, Alana and to Gareth and all our guests tonight. That is it. From us, our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also now find us on Instagram and on TikTok. But from all the late team here, good night. Take care.